So as a society, we must reorientate ourselves about convict and ex-convict. They could be our children, they could be our brothers, they could be our neighbors. The fact that some of them are actually victims of circumstances. Some of them, yes, by law, they committed the crime and they deserve to be in prison. But being in prison is not the end and should not be the end of one's life. I believe it should be the beginning of a new life. And as a society, we should be open to give them that second chance that we all deserve. Stick Your Neck Out. The weekly podcast of the Giraffe Heroes Foundation. Cold iron bars, walls of pitted concrete, single or bunk beds, a dented metal locker, a simple desk and a chair, all of them firmly fastened to the wall and floor, a barred window sometimes, a saggy thin mattress and pillow, old sheets, rough blankets, names, dates, sayings, vulgarity written or carved into the walls. It smells like sweat, mustiness, dust. Inmates, guards, the warden. Welcome to the podcast to restore your faith in humanity. Welcome to Stick Your Neck Out. My name is Jampiera Gerdulanyona and my guest today, Pashiro Adamu, is the founder of the Dream Again Prison Academy. The 2013 Kantari alumni from Nigeria aims to ensure that the very high recidivism rate is drastically reduced through qualitative education. His education program begins in prisons and as soon as his students are released, students, not inmates. He reintegrates them into the labor market. Welcome, Bashiro, to our podcast. Uh, thank you so much. I'm glad to be on this podcast. Stick your neck out. Thank you. And we are very glad that you managed to, to be here with us today. So tell us more about the Dream Again Prison Academy. The Dream Again Prison and Youth Foundation, of course, also known as Dream Again Academy, is a non-profit organization that started in Nigeria with a pilot project in 2012. Having grown up with low self-esteem, I couldn't even express myself, had poor academic performance. I believe, like I will always tell people, I was trapped in what I call the prison of my mind until I embraced the wall of books in 2001 and books gradually started transforming me from someone with low self-esteem to somebody who wants to contribute to his society. So I conceived the idea to set up a library in 2002-3, but that was not possible until I had the opportunity to serve my country, Nigeria, under the scheme of the National Youth Service Corps in Benue State, Otuko to be precise, and part of my community development project for my one-year program under the federal government was to set up the first library in Otuko prison that was built in 1923. So it was just a pilot project, actually. I never knew it was going to transform into what is now a non-profit called Dream Again Prison and Youth Foundation. Okay, sounds really interesting. But why exactly are you doing that? The goal was to contribute something positive to my society. And because I was trapped in the prison of my mind, like I said earlier, I imagined through my interaction with a friend of mine, Mr. Fred Oloko, who told me, that since the prison is very close to his office, I can do something meaningful to them. Why not I take books into the prison? It immediately became like an aha moment for me. Books to prison resonated with me because I have been transformed also by books. 
So imagine people who are sitting down languishing and wasting their time in prison without library. And for me, taking the first step was just what kickstarts uh, what we now call Dream Again Prison and Youth Foundation. Okay, you said once that most of the prisons in your country are under functioning without meeting up with the human rights standards of prisons across the world. What are these standards? And maybe by saying that, can you give us some insight on the prison situation in Nigeria? Well, uh, basically all around the world, with the exception of Norway and a few other countries, uh, all over the world, most prisons don't meet up with the international human rights standard for prisons, which says that basic education should be given as a way of rehabilitating inmates. Now, to be honest, we don't call them inmates again at Dream Again. We now call them students. Okay, so most of this uh, institution called prisons don't have this basic education for inmates to learn why they are waiting or doing their terms. And so you decided to transform the prison from an institute of punishment to an academy of change. Let's talk a bit about that. Mm. Like you will see around the world, even with the experience of Nelson Mandela, the former president who is now late of South Africa, who spent 27 years in prison before he came out to become the president of the South African, he spent 27 years with a lot of punishment and hard labor. Even here in our country, Nigeria, people are in prison. The focus is always punishment. Punishment, not just only by beating them or hitting them hard. Punishment because the facility does not really, really encourage reformation. So you find that people go into prison rather than become better majority of them come out and they are worse off. So there is always most time relapse. People go in and out of prison with somebody I know personally has gone into prison about five times. If there is true reformation in our prisons, people will not get into prison, come out, and then they're going back to prison again and again. So like I said, there is somebody I know who has gone into prison like almost three to four and a fifth time. Who want to really be in prison? I don't think anybody wants to be in prison, but this individual is going in and out about five times. So our goal is to transform the institution of prisons in Nigeria from Institute of Punishment to Academy of Positive Change by setting up a library and, of course, bringing in vocational training skills to empower the inmates so that when they come out of prison, crime is no longer an option because right now they are now contributing something positive to themselves and also to the society and the nation at large. And that sounds really great. So what does this progressive educational program look like? Well, the Dream Again Progressive Educational Program run in three stages. We call it Rethink, Reform, and Re-Enter. Can you, can you uh, go a little bit further on this? Okay, so the, re the, the Rethinking stage is the final and the very crucial stage of our training. Here we help inmates to discover who they are. So we have lectures on leadership, purpose, self-discovery, community service, entrepreneurship in theory, public speaking, debate. This helps the student to discover who they are, to discover their responsibility as citizens of our country. By so doing, we help them to know how valuable they are much more than the crime they are committing. That's great. And then the next stage is called reform. Here, we help our students to learn 
a skill or two while incarceration. So only of recently, we have, as an organization, set up the best classroom in Nigeria, correctional center uh, for inmate, for, for our students. That's awesome. You know, with, with computers, because we used to do some skills that are really not economically viable. So we look inward and say, no, let's do something that are very, very relevant to the society they are coming in to join. So we bring in, we're bringing in things like photography, videography, Great. soft skills like um, normal Microsoft, graphic design, you know, all of these skills, you know, editing, photo editing and all of that so that when they come out with these skills, uh, rather than even looking for a job, they can actually create or start their own job. Mm. So this prepares us to the final stage, which is actually what we call re-enter. In the re-enter stage is what we call the aftercare mentoring. When they get into the society from what we taught them in the first and second stage, they get to learn how to reintegrate themselves. Sometimes they are faced with social stigma, but because their self-esteem has been redefined in a positive way, uh, they are able to withstand those social stigma by creating opportunity for themselves or getting a job when they get back into the society. So for instance, now, can I share a, a, an amazing success story with um, a young man who was incarcerated in one of, our, uh, in one of the prisons we were operating. He was our student. He has studied NCE, what we call College of Education, in school. So he got to prison by stealing a motorbike. Through our program, he discovered himself. Immediately, he left the prison September 2nd, 2019. He started his own school. That's awesome. And you know what? He was so privileged because he was working hard to start with about 82 students in his school. Oh, great. This is amazing. And, and he didn't stop there. You know, by the third, fourth month, 82 students move to 162 students. Wow. Now, from prison. This is almost a double. Yes, from prison. As I speak to you today, he has about 15 staff that are working for him in his school that he pays salary. That's, that's I mean, that, that sounds awesome. And this project, everything you have told uh, till now is, is really great. Yes, and, so, and, and it didn't end there. Now, from 162, his pupils in his school is about 402. As at the last time I spoke with him, 400 plus. Wow. With your work, with your kind of social work, you are kind of making the world a better place. So after around 10 years since the idea of your organization was born, how do you feel about it now? Did you often have to change the approach or was it appreciated right away the way you imagined? Thank you so much. This is an amazing question and I love it <laughs> because when I started, you know, I didn't know what I was doing. I was only full of passion and I wanted to do something that can actually earn me a good living after I finish my program with the government. So, but I was grateful, you know, why I was doing the program to meet with another guy called Marcus Akko, who was also an Kantari alumni. So he told me about Kantari so I had passion, but my passion has not been professionalized. My passion has not been transformed in order to meet the need of the people I want to serve. So Marcos helped me to apply for Kantari, and I applied for Kantari. You know, fortunately for me, I was successful in my application and in my interview. And I remember in 2013, May to be precise, I flew for the first time out of my country into Trivandrum, 
and to be part of about 21 people from different parts of the world as Kantari participants. For me, being at Kantari was the beginning of the transformation of my passion and dream. That's what they do. <laughs> yes, exactly. So being at Kantari helped me through uh, what we call transformation of concept. During the, the program, we have different acts, but there's what they call transformation of concept. And that is actually, I gave, I gave birth to the name Dream Again at Kantari. I didn't go to Kantari with the name Dream Again. Oh, okay. So it was during the transformation of concept, I was able to identify the problem I want to solve and the name that would be suitable for it. So I remember I was, we were giving assignment in Kantari. We, I went back to my bed in my room. I, so I was thinking through and how, that is how I gave birth to the name Dream Again. And when I told Sabria, the co-founder of Kantari, she was fascinated and excited about it. She said, wow, that's a great name. As I speak to you right now, I can still see the smile on her face that morning <laughs> when I told her about the Dream, uh, the dream Again as the new name for my project. So I have transformed from just having a passion into a professional social worker or a social entrepreneur because of the things I've learned in my journey from Kantari and other trainings that I've attended. So it is just a pilot project that I started with. I never knew I was going to run a nonprofit, but when I got a scholarship, get into Kantari, I now have a better idea of how to run and execute my passion as a nonprofit. And that is what I have been doing, you know, for almost a decade now. Yeah. There is a concept I found really interesting, a concept you have talked about a lot. The concept you use also at your dream speech at Cantari while comparing life in prison and aquariums, the prison of the mind. Could you please elaborate a little on this one? The prison of the mind, I believe, is the worst prison anyone can ever find his or herself. For instance, now I have never been to a physical prison as an inmate or a student that we are now transforming it to be. But I was trapped and limited in my mind. And you know, the beautiful thing about aquarium is that it is not the natural habitat for a fish. It is humans that have created and made aquarium so that for their own pleasure and fantasy, they put the aquarium in their homes. But you know, the aquarium is a great limitation to the potential, to the swimming potential of a fish. Yeah, definitely. So all the fish you find in an aquarium, they are limited by the size of the aquarium. So I was trapped by my fears. I was trapped by what people will say, the opinions of people about me. I was trapped by the, by the fact that I was not good enough. I was trapped by the fact that I couldn't speak good English. I was trapped by the fact that maybe because I'm from a poor home, because I didn't get good education. These were all forms of prisons that limited me from maximizing and releasing my potential. But no more, of course. <laughs> Not now again. <laughs> no, no. One can hear that you are complete out of your prison. Exactly. Actually. <laughs> so the aquarium is like a prison. You know, the physical prison with the wardens that you talked about in the tradition of this Stick Your Neck Out podcast, you know, the wardens, the iron bars, the windows, the high fence, they are all limitation trying to restrict the movement of the people who are incarcerated. Same like the aquarium. An aquarium is a limitation. So what can an inmate, in quotes, I use the word in quote because I don't call them inmates again, what can a student in prison do? He can actually dream again. 
he can actually believe again. He can actually hope again and see beyond the limitation of the wardens, the windows, the bars, the high fence. Just like the guy I just mentioned about coming out of prison to start his own school, employing about 15 people currently, and with about 400 plus students as at the last count, that they can dream again and give back to the society they were once taken from. So the concept behind the aquarium is to help people see, identify, and break out of their own prison by their choice and action. Yeah, and the best way to do that is um, with education and rehabilitation. So why do you think that these two concepts are important and go together? You know, as I speak to you now on this podcast, somebody is going to listen to this podcast and I don't even know what will happen, but it might be a form of inspiration, enlightenment that can trigger something positive in his or her life. I also hope that too. Yes, of course. It will definitely happen. <laughs> Yeah. So education, so that's why we call our own informal education because it's not regulated by the Ministry of Education in Nigeria. It is informal. It is the process of helping people believe and understand the value, the potential that they, ha they have inside of them. Actually, the word education, it's actually a Greek word that means educa. It means to bring from within Mm -hmm. And, you know, yeah. each one of us as humans have something within us that is important and valuable to the world. It's just that oftentimes we don't recognize it. We are not mentored and coached into seeing those possibilities that are in us. So we bring ourselves low to get into crime. So you cannot separate education, whether normal education, formal education or informal education. But for us at Dream Again, it is an informal education we know that if you are able to do that in the institution of prison, you're going to help a lot of people come out from that mental prison because we are looking at double prison here. First, they are locked up in the physical prison and because there's no proper reformation as a result of education, they are now trapped in their minds. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I will add another third one to these two prisons you said because many people see a prison as a place where you come in not to come out again. So I will add the convictions about convicts. How, how do you think, how healthy are our convictions about convicts? Yeah, this is, this is uh, there is a stereotype about people who are incarcerated and then they are back to the society. That's why we talk about social stigma. And so I have a quote and I actually set up this, I came up with this quote myself that the richest place in the world is not the oil field in Iraq or the gold mine in South Africa. The richest place in the world is actually the prison yard. Because in the prison yard, we have potentials that are more valuable than the oil in Iraq and the gold in South Africa. If we properly harness them, then we can have more Mahatman Gandhi. Then we can have more Nelson Mandela. Not necessarily people becoming like Nelson Mandela or Mahatma Gandhi, but people coming out from where we thought or where we think is bad, which is the prison, to becoming people of purpose and people of meaning contributing something positive to the society. Definitely. I mean, people in the outside. So too. as a society, we must reorientate ourselves about convict and ex-convict. These are, they could be our children, they could be our brothers, they could be our neighbors. 
the fact that some of them are actually victims of circumstances. Some of them, yes, by law, they committed the crime and they deserve to be in prison. But being in prison is not the end and should not be the end of one's life. I believe it should be the beginning of a new life. And as a society, we should be open to give them that second chance that we all deserve. Definitely. I mean, people on the outside should probably have more comprehension of the feelings of the people in the inside. So the question now is, how do you convince the people on the inside not to give up and make them believe that it is worth it and possible to stick to their dreams? Fundamentally, this is what Dream Again is all about. And, you know, life is an option. Uh, life is a choice with different options that surround us. And I would like to share a story about what happened one day when I was in, in class in prison with our student. I went there with my wife and our team members. So when I got in there, I told the student that today in our class, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do, but I'm going to do something that I myself, I don't understand. And what was I going to do? So I told them, today's session, we're going to call it hugging session. Did you get that? You just hug. Yes. So we're not going to talk. We're just going to hug. And I started calling them out to meet up with me. And I gave them hug. One after the other, as I was hugging them, they started crying, some of them. Yes, of course. They started crying and sharing tears. Why they come out one after the other to receive hug from me? I started crying also. Hmm. I didn't just cry now. I started screaming and <laughs> shaking because even yeah. with myself, I didn't know what I was doing. So at the end of the hugging session, we asked them, how does it feel? And some of them were testified that nobody has ever hugged us. Why in prison? Not even when outside. Yeah. And this gave them a sense of belonging. Humanity, you know? Exactly. This gave them a sense of connection. And with this sense of belonging and connection, yes, some of them will come out of prison and somebody is going to stigmatize them. But like we will always tell them, the worst stigmatization is not social stigma, it's self-stigmatization. Yes, it is. Because I am black today and some people still look down on blacks, you know? And yeah, that's yeah. why we have racism. Yeah, yeah. But the fact that you I call know me black... <laughs> Does not mean <laughs> it reduces who I am as a human being. Yeah, that's right. So it's a mental issue. Yes, I've been to prison. We told them when you come out, just when they stigmatize, just tell them I only went to a different school. Mm -hmm. yeah, it might be better. It's, I mean, it's sad because why shouldn't you talk about that? Because it's actually a really nice experience. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, if you talk about this nice experience, you're going to get more stigmatized. Yes. So... So I, I, yeah, it's, um, our society is kind of sick and there are a lot of stigmatization and a lot of things that we as humans are forgetting. So we are talking about the Dream Again Prison and Youth Foundation. You are going to the, to the prisons and you have your students there. How often do you meet? What does a reunion of yours look like? We have uh, our class once in a week. So sometimes we have also facilitators. I am not the one that do all of the, that take all of the sessions while in, 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 during our classes. There are different facilitators. 
And most importantly, like I said, in the rethinking stage of our program, we have different subjects that we talked about that are related to the student. So from leadership to civic responsibility to self-discovery to public speaking to debate to teamwork, all of these are handled by different facilitators. Okay, I see. And sometimes mm -hmm. we, we also have Q&A where some of the students ask questions or they also share based on what is being discussed. So it's not just a one-way thing. Oh, that sounds great. Yeah, that's awesome. And you also have these hugging sessions, which uh, you talked about before. <laughs> <laughs> now, it, now it's becoming, uh, you know, when we started it and our team members see me do it most times, it becomes normal now in some of the prisons we are operating. I cannot say about other NGOs if they are doing it. Okay, but then I see some of our facilitators get into prison now. They shake the inmate, they hug them, and it's exciting. Yeah, yeah, that's beautiful. I mean, it's it's really important, like we said before, that that they get a piece of humanity. That they know there are, there are people out there. That you have this warmth from 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 a human body and not this cold cell where they are confined. So, how did things change over these years in the society because of the foundation? Gradually, people are beginning to embrace. Gradually, I didn't say they are doing it everywhere, but gradually the society is beginning to see. Okay, for instance, now I had a conference last week and there were two ex-prisoners in the conference as participants and they were our students and nobody marginalized them. They were free to talk about their experience. Do you get me? Yeah. And one of them actually shared his story from prison and how Dream Again has actually impacted him. So gradually, people are beginning to embrace them and give them opportunity, you know, believing that, yes, these people can actually do better now and they have mm. been changed. Mm. And that's wonderful. So I would like to go back to these two words we were talking before. So incarceration is a form of punishment. With your work, you are trying to rehabilitate prisoners to make them part of the society again, which is a wonderful work. Can we comfort, maybe contrast, juxtapose these two key words, punishment and rehabilitation? Yes, of course, because it is the government's responsibility and job to deal with anybody who goes against the law. Mm -hmm. that is the normal thing for the government to do it and once a court of competent jurisdiction finds you guilty that person is sentenced to prison for a particular period of time based on his crime but what we are saying is that why people are incarceration why should we allow them language waste their time and energy which we believe that they have in abundance time and energy why should we allow them waste it in self-pity or even getting to become more hardened because there are no facilities that encourage rehabilitation improper. Yeah. So, and this is where Dream Again comes in. Mm -hmm. We have people incarcerated. They are going to, some of them are in there for five years, 10 years. Some of them are not even convicted yet, but they are only awaiting trials for upward of 10 years, seven years. What happened to them going to court every now and then, and then their cases are not being heard. So it's frustrating to have people like that in one place. And so that's why in some places you hear about prison break. Yeah. Because people are frustrated with the system. People are frustrated with injustice. People are frustrated because the whole institution, to a large extent, is not serving them 
for the purpose which it is created, which is reformation. Mm. That's yeah. yeah, that's right. So, and this is where Dream Again comes in. We are not fighting the government, but we are supporting and complementing the effort of the government as a non-profit organization. Yeah, you. I mean, you also believe that by educating and training the prisoners, you can make the society safer. Can you explain this statement? Absolutely. This is the this is the big picture. So, because the prisoners, okay, so each crime that is committed in a society, it leaves. It has a. There is always a victim of crime. Mm. So, but when we educate and train the prisoner and they come out, the society is going to be safe and better. So, I, and that's why I see that a collective rehabilitation should be a collective responsibility, not just of NGOs like Dream Again, but even the society should be willing, you know, to support. And, and so that's why the Nigerian government recently, uh, about two years now, they come up with a non-custodial measure of punishment. So people with petty crimes, people with uh, petty crimes, they are not sent to prison again. They are sent into community to do community service. Yeah, that's the best option you can have. You go to a prison, you can end up there. And Yes. Yeah. So this is new for us in this country and, 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 and it's getting better. Yeah, that's awesome. So the, the program of reformation and rehabilitation, it should be all the society that are interested because somebody can come out of the prison and become one of the best business person that can contribute meaningful to our society can be a man or that will marry somebody's daughter. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, 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 yeah. yes, of course, of course. For almost 10 years now, you have been working in the development of your Dream Again Prison and Youth Foundation. And I know that every great project has a stronger reason behind it. What is yours? Why working with prisoners? Wow. <laughs> I, I, I think for me, I find... Number one, like I said in the beginning, I've never been to a physical prison before. Never, as an inmate or as a student. But being trapped in my mind as a form of mental prison helped me to understand to a large extent what these people are going through. Because once you are incarcerated and there's no proper information, for me, I see it as double prison. So my connection with them is to help them escape from the mental prison. My connection with them is to serve them. My, my biggest why is a service mentality I have to give back to my society, especially to the people who are incarcerated, by serving them in helping them come out of mental prison to discover who they are. And there are plenty, I mean, in these in this 10 years, there are plenty of lives transformed again. You were talking about some of these examples, but I'm pretty sure there are a lot of them. Yes. As I speak to you currently, uh, we have a young guy who spent about four years in incarceration through our intervention. Why incarceration? He actually learned tailoring. He learned tailoring. So when he came out and we did not have much money to support him, so we gave him money to join with what he has, to add to what he has, to buy a sewing machine, a fairly used sewing machine. Hmm. And there was no money for him actually to, to rent a shop. So he actually started up his fashion design under a tree. <laughs> Great. Can you imagine that? I have a really nice picture. Under a tree. And I have a picture, and I have a picture about, uh, on this, about this uh, with my team. When we visited him, we took a picture with him under the tree where he was working. But the guy was focused. He was hardworking. By the third month, 
he has rented a shop already. And by the fourth, fifth month, my own pastor gave me a brand new sewing machine to give to him. Mm-hmm. And you know what? He started having other young people in his society coming to pay money to learn tailoring under him. As at 2018, uh, 2018, 2019, he has trained about 15 people under him. Yeah, this, so these are, these are really good, successful stories. And now, like, this story did not end yet. You know, he had a passion to go back to school and he kept telling me that he wants to go back to school. So he wrote the exam. He got the admission. Right now, as I speak to you, he is studying business administration Whoa. in one of the polytechnics in Nigeria. And he had a CGPA of 3.6 and as i speak to you dream again is actually giving him has given him scholarship for his uh, for his school that's cool do you have suggestions for new programs that will help people integrate into the society better after they are released from prison thankfully we are grateful that some families you know because the family is the basic uh, foundation for major transformation and change so some of the People come out and then they get back to their family. Thankfully, some of this family, they embrace them. Uh, so my advice, when you come out of prison, there's something you can always do for yourself with what you have. It is either you start a business or you go learn a trade. For those who want to go to school, where can you start from? Who can support you? Yes, Dream Again can support people with our own, in our own way. We have supported people who went back to school. Like I said, this guy right now in school, we're paying his school fees. But as an individual, what can you do coming out of prison? And that's why we believe that the first two stage of our program should prepare our student to be able to reintegrate back into the society very well if you attend our program. And that's why we're experiencing some of the success story we're having. Because some of these people attend our program while incarceration. So there you are taught how to get back into the society by first discovering yourself, learning a skill that can make you earn a decent living rather than getting into crime or going back to school to develop yourself so that you can do better in life. That sounds awesome. But how about reoffending? Do you think that one can ensure it is really not an option that crime won't repeat? Reoffending actually happens. And even us, we have experienced some of our students who have reoffended, but our success rate is 95. Why our the people who have reoffended could be like three to four percent? Okay. And it's actually to a large extent you cannot change everybody. You cannot even change anybody. And so that's why I say we are like servant. We go there to serve, but ultimately individuals make their choice. You can't force change on anybody, no. and that's where many people get it wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. People must get to that place of deliberately deciding to change. For me, that is the best form of transformation and change, that people decide by themselves that they want to truly change. So we are like catalysts. Okay. <laughs> yeah, no, so as a catalyst, it's, it's nice that you, you uh, use this word. As a catalyst, you need to, um, you need to actually have some tools What were the tools you had to acquire to actually change the conditions in the prison? And could you give us an example? Okay, so for us, setting up the library in almost all the prisons we're operating is extremely important. So we set up libraries in most of the prisons where we're operating. Number two, we have 
what we call the dream again uh, t-shirt. You know, most prisons have the uniform they give to convict. But for our students during our class, we have a special t-shirt we provide for them that they use while incarceration during our class. And sometimes they can even use it within the prison. That's awesome. Number three, we ensure that we have a befitting classroom for our lectures. Just because they are in prison does not mean we should dehumanize them and throw anything and everything at them. That's right. We should make those, we, we ensure that what we are giving to them is actually very good. Number four, sometimes during our lectures, we have what we call uh, like uh, not a tea break, just like a juice break. So you can, some, some, some guys, some guys come into the class because they know they're going to take, <laughs> they're going to take juice and some donuts, you know? Okay. And then we have also facilitators, team members that are connecting to our student within and outside of the prison as a follow up. Mm. And you started this whole project with the, with the library. Why are books so important for your program? <laughs> I believe that with books, you can see into the world from the dungeon of your prison cell. With books, you can sit down in Nigeria or to poor prison and connect to Sabria through her books and connect to Martin Luther King or Mahatma Gandhi or Nelson Mandela. And for me, when you read, there is a connection a transformation of information into your mind that if well absorbed and entertained, it can transform you. So like I will always say that books are the windows into the world from the prisons. Books can give us wings to fly. Well, there are people who cannot read while in prison. Yeah. There are people who cannot actually read. So why should they bother about library? So we have even come up with an idea that some people who are in prison, they should see it as their responsibility that why I'm in prison, I actually do something for humanity by helping somebody who cannot read to learn how to read. And guess what? We had a story of a young man who could not read, but was taught by one of our students how to read why in prison. That's nice. So speaking of books, and before we are coming to an end, tell us a few words about the book you wrote. Wow. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so the book I wrote, it's, uh, the title is called Escape from Prison. And I wrote it as my life experience working in the nonprofit sector and especially in this prison space for over a decade now, sharing my frustration, my disappointment, my opportunity, the milestone I experienced, the people that support me the institution like Kantari that helped me to transform my vision, the bigger opportunity I got learning how to pitch my idea. The whole idea about the book Escape from Prison is to help my reader once he grabbed the book to know that he or she have a story to tell, that our life is meaningful and somebody can be inspired by our life, that our story we shouldn't die with our story. And sometimes, you know, we want to hide the bad part or the bad experience we have in our life. That alone, too, is also a prison on its own. Mm -hmm. That's right. So I'm giving people the permission through my vulnerability to share my experience, to find their voice and share their story through my story. 
So the book is to help people come out from mental prison. I also have a portion where I spoke to my people who are in physical prison, and I call it their physical prisoner. Now that you are here, what are you going to do with your time? And I share with them the things they can do. I also talk about, you know, changing the narrative about my country, Nigeria, because most of us are outside the prison physically, but we are trapped because of the economic situation or the society we find ourselves. We need to get out of that and begin to see how we can, you know, free ourselves to truly live to our full potential. Very good. At the end of a blog post from the Dream Again Prison Academy, dear listeners, you'll find the link to this blog on the show notes. You ask your readers to remember to be the Nigerian you want to see around the world. How is the Nigerian you want to see around the world? Uh, you know, we have a country that some few people are patriotic, while majority of the people want to complain and blame the government about anything and everything that is happening around. For me, the Nigerian of our dream, or for us to be the Nigerian we want to see, is by doing the right thing at the right time for the development of our country. How do I mean about this? There's what I call self-government. If I can govern myself, it will be easy for me to get into the society, not to go against the rules that will make the society a better place. So if you are a teacher, are you teaching? those students with all of your heart in order to make them the future of Nigeria. If you are a doctor, how are you treating your patient? If you are a politician, what are you doing with the office and the privileges and the position you are occupying? If you are a non-profit like Dream Again. So the Nigerian of our dream can only happen when we all give our heart committedly for the socio-economic development of our country by each of us being patriotic and contributing to the development of our nation. Is there anything else you would like to add or we didn't cover yet? Uh, so far, I want to thank you for this interview. I cannot say my story will be complete without the people who have supported us, the institution like Tari that has given me the opportunity to learn about social enterprise and get back to my country in 2013 to start doing what I'm doing. Uh, all of the partners and even the student that gave us the opportunity to serve them in prison. I want to say thank you to them. The government also, you know, that allow us to get into the prison, you know, to do what we are doing. I want to say thank you to our team members. You know, I'm not doing this as a Bashiru. There are people working with us. They might not be seen. They are behind the scene working, you know, <laughs> and supporting the dream. Uh, I want to say thank you to every team members, every partners every institution that has impacted me and given me meaning, that has given me meaning in order for me to also give meaning to other people. I want to say thank you and also thank you for this interview too also. You know, I have to thank you, Bashido, for letting so many people in your country to dream again. Thank you. And that's it for this week. You will find the stories of the Cantari alumni and the giraffe heroes, the stories of people sticking their neck out every Tuesday on iTunes, Spotify, our homepage, and every other place where you get your podcast. And if you subscribe, you don't have to look out for us. We'll be coming to you. If there is a friend, a family member, an organization, or someone you know who is doing a great work in the community, someone sticking the neck out, just nominate them as a giraffe hero. 
come and visit us at giraffe-hero.eu. My name is Jean-Pierre Gerdranjona and I hope to join us also on our social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter and YouTube. But more importantly, I hope you join us again next week. Stick your neck out. The weekly podcast of the Giraffe Heroes Foundation. Thank you.